This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack. We'll meet a mid-Missouri car enthusiast who can restore old classics back to their original pristine state, and he'll even convert your muscle car to EV. I'll talk to Tyler Willie of GKR Motors. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, even dessert stuffed into a roll. It's the new craze in St. Louis. We'll hear about that. And the State Historical Society of Missouri has released new biographies on its Historic Missourians website. Sean Rost shares the details of the latest editions with Cameron Connor. Historic Missourians uh, is a key component for the State Historical Society of Missouri, especially in its online presence. Um, and it's been now several individuals have been featured throughout the Historic Missourians webpage. Um, I counted actually this morning and it's up over 150 uh, total uh, biographies that are featured on the webpage. They're broken down by... Uh, Last name, you can also look at it via time period, uh, by regions of the state, as well as uh, key categories. You can look at everything from uh, athletes and architects and artists all the way to uh, political leaders, scientists, um, you know, journalists, folk legends, uh, individuals uh, that are either born in the state of Missouri or it's been a significant portion of their life uh, in the state as well. Um, and these are really geared towards third and fourth graders. Um, when, you know, when I was growing up, Fourth grade really was that time when we learned about the state's history, we learned about those kind of famous individuals connected to the state's history, um, and now it's kind of shifted to third and to fourth grade. So um, we kind of highlight these biographies. They are written for the audience, for third and fourth graders, but uh, all people can 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 check them out and kind of learn about them. And we highlight everything from you know major moments in the individuals' lives and careers to their early education, where they grew up in Missouri or where they lived that in Missouri, and ultimately kind of that bookend of an introduction to the person as well as a legacy uh, about why they're a significant and a historic Missourian. And we include a number of photographs and, and documents within there to kind of offer some kind of primary source material um, about the individual's life, everything from, from photos of them during their life to, you know, places that they visited or things they were involved with uh, over the course of their careers. And then at the end, we include a biographical review, kind of a, a works cited page, a bibliography that kind of shows you uh, where you can find in more information, whether it be, you know, information within the historical society's resources um, via, you know, the, the, the research library through manuscripts, through photographs to outside resources such as, you know, uh, uh, other archives or, or um, other uh, state departments that might have um, information on them as well. So it's really meant to be a, a great educational resource for, for all Missourians, but especially for those in third and fourth grade that are kind of gearing up to learn more about the state's history. And for those of you just now tuning in, this is Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. I'm Cameron Connor. We're here with Sean Rost. He is the Assistant Director of Research for the State Historical Society of Missouri. And we're talking about a fantastic resource that's also a website today titled Historic Missourians. You can go and find it just by typing in historicmissourians.shsmo.org in order to get there to find so many different interesting people that have lived or impacted Missouri in some way, shape, or form. You were talking about the fact that, for one, this is aimed towards, or I guess, more of like a third or fourth grade reading level. Because it includes all of those other resources, I think it's also a great gateway even for, let's say, higher age high school students or even university students, too, to get the ball rolling if they need to do some research into one of these, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the most recent ones that we just put up on the website is, is Paul Henning, who was a TV producer and, and a writer, um, shows like Hillbillies, Green 
there's uh, Petticoat Junction, not to mention the many, many ones he kind of helped with before that point. Um, and one of the great ways that we were able to kind of learn more about Paul Henning and, and develop that biography was that he had done a number of oral histories some that are in with uh, the Historical Society's collections, but also a number of other ones, um, including a several-hour one that he did with um, uh, the Television Academy um, back in the 1990s. Uh, and that was one where we just kind of learned. We were we were the students in many ways learning about him as he told his own story. Um, and we have that link on the bottom of his page where people can kind of go to the Television Academy's website and, and look at those oral histories as well and kind of learn from, from the individual themselves kind of telling those stories. So yeah, it's really meant as a as an introduction to these individuals. It's meant to kind of teach them about um, their lives and their careers and their legacies, um, but then also show not only where we have located the information that helped create this biography, but also to kind of have them learn more. Um, so, you know, other individuals might have, you know, been involved with conservation or been involved with various organizations. And we we sometimes include the link to those organizations or to those sites um, in that works cited page at the bottom as well to kind of, as a jumping off point, as you kind of said, uh, to more information and, and, and to kind of learn more about the individual um, and their lives. You mentioned Paul Henning, and if I'm not wrong, that's part of a collection that was just recently added that focuses on a lot of individuals that were influenced through Missouri, through the University of Missouri school system, right? Yeah, so uh, the Winokur family, um, Robin and Carolyn Winokur, generously um, sponsored and supported uh, the Historic Missourians webpage to look at really uh, historic Missourians who are connected to the university uh, in Columbia, University of Missouri in Columbia, as well as the larger University of Missouri system. Um, so Paul Henning was featured alongside uh, Hazel Tebow, um, who was the, the, the first African-American woman to be attend the University of Missouri in 1915 later earned a Ph.D. from the University of Missouri in 1959. Um, Paul Henning, of course, uh, as well as uh, Avis Tucker, who was uh, the first woman to serve as president for the uh, University of Missouri Board of Curators. Um, and finally, uh, Ted and Pat Jones. Uh, people might recognize Edward Jones in that name of, of kind of the financial advisory uh, company. Uh, but together, they both attended the University of Missouri, and they both had a, a strong interest in agriculture and in conservation, um, and a number of sites across the state of Missouri really are dedicated to the memory of their efforts to not only preserve things like the Katy Trail um, and other kind of nature sites, uh, but also to kind of encourage Missourians to kind of get out in the outdoors and kind of experience what Missouri has to offer. So uh, those are just four of, of many, but these are the four most recent additions of the Historic Missourians webpage. I think it's really important to reemphasize this. Sean, why is it so important to help commemorate and reflect and I guess provide this resource to all of Missourians as more of, you know, a learning perspective for anything future related? Sure. I think, you know, there are there are historic Missourians that we often hear about and and for good reason in some capacities for, for their, their long lives and careers and what they've done. You know, everything we can think of uh you know, today being Truman Day, you know, Harry S. Truman and, and the legacy of that, certainly. I just had a conversation with my son about that in the car. You know, what, what is Truman Day and what does that mean? Um, but there are many, many historic Missourians. Um, and, you know, people often don't think about uh, a number of these individuals and what they have done to contribute and influence uh, Missouri history. So I think this is a great opportunity for individuals to kind of connect with these various biographies and to kind of learn more about 
these various uh, individuals and how they shaped the state and, and how um, they did it in a variety of ways and, o- and over a long span of time. There are people um, featured who, you know, predate Missouri statehood in 1821, all the way up to individuals who uh, were still actively involved in, in, in a number of matters, uh, even within the last decade or so. So uh, it really kind of spans the full length of, of Missouri's history and kind of offers not only an, an individual focused story of you know, how this person impacted state history, but really puts them in concert with a number of other historical events to where you you may sometimes know the individuals connected with that, but now we're giving you a perspective of there are many others to think about as well in that regard. So we try to provide uh, these biographies as a way to educate and really, really to highlight the complex history of Missouri, uh, not just simply the, the names we, we often associate with Missouri, but the many individuals uh, who might be new to, to the viewer and to, and to the reader, um, but certainly had a significant role to play in shaping Missouri history. Historicmissourians.shsmo.org if you want to get any of that relevant information about all of these influential individuals that have taken part in Missouri in some way, shape, or form. This has been the State Historical Society of Missouri's Assistant Director of Research, Sean Rost. Sean, thank you so much for joining me on Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. They are our love bugs and companions. They are our pets, our family, and they make life better. When we face unexpected challenges, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people and their pets. Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts. Visit petsandpeopletogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Hey, Jimmy, turn off the video games. Let's go play some ball. I'm in the middle of my game. Can't we go later? Come on, it'll be fun. It will be there when you get back. Okay, but there's no way you're going to win. Why don't you grab some water and granola bars, and then we'll see about that. You can make a difference. Eat smart, play hard. And when you do, your kids will too. A challenge from USDA. Some people won't give you the real talk on drugs. But it's time we know the facts. Fentanyl is often laced into illicit drugs and used to make fake versions of prescription pills. You can't see it, taste it, or smell it. Suppliers mix fentanyl into their products because it's potent and cheap. And the dealer might not even know. Keep yourself and others safe by knowing the real deal on fentanyl. Get the facts. Go to realdealonfentanyl.com. This message is brought to you by the Ad Council. It's 4 a.m., Monday, and you're literally sucking baby snot through a tube because she's congested. Man, that's love. And if you love her that much, love her enough to make sure she's buckled in the right car seat. To make sure your child's in the right seat for their age and size, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. 
Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. We're back on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack, and our next guest is Tyler Willie from GKR Motor Cars. And uh, let me read a quote from him. I believe that cars are art, no matter the car. Someone was proud of what they created, and that is why it is here. And Tyler is here to tell us about his uh, business in mid-Missouri based in New Bloomfield, uh, GKR Motor Cars. And uh, who basically restores, uh, you, you'll do anything. Uh, isn't that right, Tyler? Yeah. Yeah, well, um, I mean, you know, custom, it's like we do one thing, but that can branch out to just be about anything a customer wants. Um, you know, if a customer comes to us and just wants to do, you know, you know, just something absolutely wild, we will, uh, we will do it, you know. Um, you know, whether it's go back to original or, you know, do fully electric on an old car, um, you know, we can convert something over to fully electric. You know, we have plenty of options for uh, every every part of a car. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk about uh, converting to electric here in, in just a moment. But um, or what's the craziest thing that you've done so far? Oh, probably. It, it probably would be the electric. Um, yeah. We're, we're working on a Lotus Esprit right now. We're finishing up, converting it over to fully electric. Um, we're doing two motors. We kind of, you know, it's our first big performance build, um, and there's a lot of fabrication, a lot of metal work, a lot of engineering, which, you know, I enjoy doing. Um, just, you know, coming up with a lot of this stuff just, you know, out of my mind and out of my employees' minds to, to get it to work. Now, um, you know, yeah. It's not something you can find off the shelf. Yeah. Now, are people bringing you, like, a sport? Is it mostly sports cars? Are they bringing things that they... Uh, that they've had for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, mostly sports cars, you know, is kind of the main thing with, with this industry. But um, we we did a Bronco, an old 77 Bronco for somebody, um, you know, put fuel injection on it, added all kinds of new suspension to it to make it handle a little bit better. He wanted to drive his kids around and those things don't do very well out of the, you know, out of the box from the factory back in the day. So it handles like a more modern car. So he feels a lot safer driving it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, it's pretty much anything that's, you know, that, that a customer thinks is cool to them. Um, you know, we'll do it, you know, Tyler Willie is joining us from GKR motor cars here in mid Missouri. So you're kind of like the, uh, that show American restoration where, where people will bring you just about any type of uh, model car and say, Hey, I want you to do this. I want you to do that to it. I mean, just you're willing to do anything. How did you learn all of this? Yeah, so I grew up, um, you know, out in the farm, you know, at a necessity working on tractors and trucks, um, you know, to keep things and operations moving there. Um, just, you know, learning the basics of, you know, mechanics and how everything works together, um, you know, and just, you know, sometimes you did have to on these older cars, they don't make these parts. Sometimes you got to have to make your own thing to make it work. So that, you know, kind of taught me a bunch of lessons and just, you know, 
how to, you know, use your ingenuity and, um, you know, get things to work. <laughs> how long will it take you for most cars? Somebody wants to come in and get something restored. How, uh, what's the average lead time they need? Yeah, so right now um, we're usually at about three months, and that's a full build, though. So that is every single nut and bolt being touched on a car. Um, and, you know, you're, you're bringing us an old car, you know, say from the 60s. Um, it's got rust, you know, and torn, you know, interior, stuff like that, maybe not running engine. And then we'll go through it, you know, and make it essentially into a brand-new car. Um, and that takes about three months, sometimes four, depending on how much customization, you know, if we – opening a modern day engine in something, um, you know, that wasn't around back then. There's some fabrication that comes with that, but for the most part, yeah, it's usually about three months, give or take. Tyler Willie joining us from GKR motor cars and, uh, you have a YouTube channel, but what it was your most, uh, your fun project. I mean, which one did you enjoy the most, whether it was a challenge or just, uh, doing it from start to finish? Yeah. So probably the most fun was that Bronco. Um, that was like our first big, like really big build where, a, where a, a customer just let us kind of take the reins. You know, they gave us a color that the blue, you go to our website, you'll see it, you know, um, he gave us a few basic things to kind of, to work around. But then from there we kind of built, you know, the overall product and then just seeing how excited he was to see all the things that we came up with that he didn't know about at the reveal was just, you know, the most rewarding part of it all, um, he was like, oh, man, this is just, you know, he kept saying, like, this is so much more than I was expecting, you know, and that's kind of like, oh, well, you know, it can feel good. Like, I did something right. <laughs> GKRmotorcars.com is the website. And I was going to ask you about that, about people's reactions uh, when they see what you've restored, what you've done for them. Um, I, I bet it can be pretty emotional for them at times. Yeah, so um, it is. I mean, there are times when they just are speechless and times when they scream. You know, it's just kind of um, different reaction from everybody. Sometimes, you know, it's like you can just tell they don't, they won't even talk to you because they're just looking at all the little details that we, you know, we finesse and get just right um, with our builds that they're just, you know, they keep picking up on these things that, that you know, they weren't expecting to see um, and really to show, like, you know, what a car can be. Um, you know, on this custom level. Um, and, that, and that's honestly my, my favorite part of the job is working with customers in the beginning, you know, getting an idea of what they want and then designing the car around that. Um, usually my favorite part of the job. Yeah. So you're doing all these rebuilds. I mean, do you have like some kind of a warranty where uh, if if something happens to go wrong, they can come back and you'll fix it for them or not? not I'm not quite, yeah. <laughs> Tyler, I'm not questioning your ability. I'm just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah no 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 we um and that's what that is the thing with custom you know we're, we're we're building new stuff here you know from cars that they didn't come this way from the factory so there's definitely plenty of things that we're changing up that are going to you know you know possibly cause some issues and that's why we put you know usually around 250 to 300 miles on a car before we deliver it you know this isn't like the production car that you get with four or five miles in the dealership um you know they they make thousands of those cars they can do that but with these i've got to put so many miles on them just to kind of work everything out you know i mean there's times when we take a car out that we think is perfect and it just you know explodes some kind of fluid all over the place and we're like well we see what we did there you know yeah just with the nature of a custom car you know there's gonna be something you know um you know something that we're gonna have to kind of finesse 
and you know tune in a little bit um, by driving it. But yeah, we do offer a warranty. Um, you know, depending on on what work we did on a car um, dictates what warranty we offer. But um, you know, usually we don't have to use them. We haven't really had to yet. Um, but it's um, it's definitely there. Yeah. You know, we want we ultimately want the customer to be happy with what they've got, especially with how much money they're spending uh, on some of these projects. You know, um, that peace of mind is nice. So tell me about converting cars now to electric. Yeah, so it's kind of um, still a little underground. There are plenty of guys doing it out there, but um, not many. Um, what we do is we essentially, you know, take the old engine out um, and put, you know, electric motor of some sort in there, you know, and batteries and the full, all the systems that you that you would require to run an electric motor. Um, you know, we even do, you know, the air conditioning, the heater, all the stuff, you know, that would be running because of the engine, you know, on that accessory drive on the front of the engine. We convert all that over to electric as well, so that way you still have all the energy of the car, but none of the maintenance. Um, and, you know, you, you, we don't get the same, you know, kind of, um, you know, range that, you know, the Teslas have, but we do, uh, you know, get that, that maintenance-free efficiency that you just get in the car, you know, you turn the key and start driving. And uh, it's just really cool to see some of these older cars what if I brought in my old uh, minivan and I wanted to convert that to electric? Would you do that for me? What What would that cost? Yeah, so you know we could do a minivan. Um, <laughs> manuals are always cheaper, but um, yeah, we could uh, we could always convert. Pretty much say you know we can convert anything with, it with the right amount of money. Yeah, but right. it is it is kind of pricey with, with EV. Very cool. All right, check them out. Uh, Tyler Willie, GKR Motorcars dot uh, com is the website. Hey, great talking with you. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past the turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's It's our our roads. It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. If you're talking, they will hear you. Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. You try All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. Like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. 
Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control. And priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Email from school about the incident today. Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night, too. Did you have a clue? No, but you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you have a concern about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is going to tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Welcome back to Show Me Today. More than 850 police, deputies, and other law enforcement officers will put on their sneakers and hit the pavement for the annual torch run, which leads up to the Missouri Special Olympics. Here's Crystal Schuster with Marshall Griffin. The torch run, it's more than a run. Um, Everybody thinks the torch run is just this run that officers do across the state once a year. But actually, the law enforcement torch run for Special Olympics is um, an organization where law enforcement has chosen Special Olympics worldwide as their charity of choice. And so all year long, they're raising funds and um, doing events to raise awareness for Special Olympics and their local programs. So here in Missouri, we have officers from all across the state who work really hard all year to raise money for our program. and they're actually our largest fundraisers in the state of Missouri for Special Olympics Missouri. And they raise well over a million dollars every single year. So last year they raised $1.3 million for Special Olympics Missouri just by doing multiple different fundraisers. And then in the month of May leading up to our state summer games, officers take to the road and they run. Um, and it's just an awareness piece. It's not a fundraiser. It's just an awareness piece that hey, we support Special Olympics Missouri, and we're heading to Columbia for their state summer games. Join us in, our, in, their, in supporting these athletes. So um, the run does happen in May, but it's so much more than a run. 
And just to clear up any confusion, you said that the run itself is not a fundraiser, but didn't you just say that a million dollars was raised by the Torch Run organization? Uh, can you clear that up for us? Yes, yes. So the run itself, the actual run that they're doing, the two weeks of running that the officers are doing, is not a fundraiser. They're not raising money during that run. When they're raising money is other times throughout the year by putting on multiple different fundraisers like tip cops and they sell t-shirts and um, cops on a rooftop. Different things like that is what raises the money, not actually the run. All right. Got that. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit about how this, how the, the torch run got started. How long ago did it start in Missouri um, or you know, if it started somewhere else, uh, give us a little bit of the history of what it was like when it started and how it came to be what it is now. Sure. So it was actually started in Kansas by Chief Richard Lemonian, Um and he just got a group of officers together, and they, over 40 years ago, and decided to um, raise a little bit of money and partner with Special Olympics by going to their games and awarding medals to the athletes, and then it just took off. From there, and here in Missouri, um, in 1986, Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Beely with the Missouri State Highway Patrol, he kind of decided to get it started here in Missouri, and he talked to the Missouri Police Chiefs Association about um, getting them behind it, and so um, they did. They got behind it. They started with a run. And at that time, the run did raise money. They raised $15,000 in the first year of the torch run here in Missouri. Um, and then they started creating t-shirts and selling t-shirts. And that is kind of how it took off with the different agencies across the state was the Missouri Police Chiefs Association backed Colonel Ralph Beely. And then um, they got the chiefs involved at each municipality in their area and they started selling these T-shirts, and then it just took off. People started doing different fundraisers. They would sit on billboards um, until they raised a certain amount of money, and then they would come down, and they would um, just whatever it took to raise some money. And they always came to our games and awarded the medals to the athletes, and they still do that to this day. And really, that's what hooks an officer. If they can get there and award a medal to an athlete and get that high five or the hug and the excitement from the athlete, that's really what hooks them, and then they just want to keep doing more. So, yeah, L- Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Beely started it here in Missouri in 1986, and it's just continued to grow, and now it's this million-dollar fundraising event across the state every year and with, you know, hundreds of officers. We have 850 runners this year, but, you know, throughout the year, we probably have a 1,000 officers that – do things as far as fundraising and coming out to the events and supporting um, our athletes in one way or another. You're listening to Show Me Today. This is Marshall Griffin, and we're speaking with Crystal Schuster. She's the Senior Director of Community Development with Missouri Special Olympics. Now, a torch run, I guess a torch run does involve a route, or at least in this case, um, many routes. Uh, Tell us about... um, how many routes are there? I'm, I'm assuming, I, I haven't seen the map yet, but I'm assuming that there, there are several routes depending on where each agency is located and do they run to Jefferson City? They do not. So we have 36 different routes across the state. So in Special Olympics, Missouri's law enforcement torch run is divided into regions and we coincide with the highway patrol troops. So every region has runs that happen within their region. And then... Um, some of those runners will come to 
Columbia for our state summer games to do what we call the final leg. And the final leg is a quick little run through Columbia, and then we run into our opening ceremonies at um, our state summer games, opening ceremonies, and then we light the cauldron, and that's how the games are the games begin for the weekend. So that the routes don't actually lead to one central area, but they're running throughout their cities within their own communities and within their own regions. Um, it's a it's really a great opportunity for the communities to come out and support the officers. We try to get athletes to run with the officers um, or to line the sidewalks and cheer on the officers. It's kind of a reversal of what the officers are used to doing for our athletes. Um, and, and in exchange, our athletes are coming out and cheering on our officers. So while they don't all lead to one central point, um, we do have officers that come to Columbia for our state summer games and run in that final leg. How long are the routes? Do they vary by, um, do they vary? They're all the same length? They vary. They vary um, depending on the city and the location and where they're running. Um, the, the point of the torch run is to be visible to the community. So, like, we have a route that runs in the St. Charles area that starts at the Ameristar Casino, and it runs all the way out to Wright City. So they're running, you know, along I-70 on the service road all the way out to Wright City. So that's a really long route, but we have different agencies that pick up along the way. So it's not the same people running that entire route. But then we have agents, agencies that just run, you know, throughout their communities and end in their town squares. It just really depends on the size of the community and the size of the police department. Are they, and they're all, are they all one day runs? They are, yes. And it's called a torch run. Is uh, that implies somebody's carrying a torch? Is there is there some type of torch carrying or relay involved as well? There is. Um, all of the routes have a a torch with the flame of hope lit for um, everyone to see as they're running. And so every region has a has a torch in their region, and then um, each route will they'll exchange that torch from route to route. I guess I'm guess I'm trying to picture it in my mind. So there's not well, like one person running at a time and then waiting for the next torch bearer. There's maybe just, there's actually maybe three or four people running at the same time. One of them's carrying a torch. That's correct. Yes. Roughly how many people, how many law enforcement uh, officers take part in this on, on average uh, uh, per year? Um, just the run part or in, as just their the, fundraising efforts overall? Well, just the run part. And then also we can address uh, fundraising. Sure. So this year we have um, just a little over 850 runners across the state. So um, we've had as much as 2,000 runners before um, pre-COVID when things were a little bit easier um, to have access to runners. Um, Fort, Fort Leonard Wood used to have a big group that ran with us, and COVID kind of changed that for them. So, um, But we have 850 runners. It's the most we've had since COVID, so we're really excited to see those numbers go up. And those 850 runners are coming from 102 agencies from across the state. So 102 law enforcement agencies are supporting this run. When is the run or when or when are the runs? I'm, is, I'm assuming there's maybe more than one date for all of these, or is this all happening yes. on the same dates? Go ahead. Nope. There are, um, there's more than one. It actually spans over a two-week time period. So they start the week of May 22nd, 
and they run through um, our final lake happens on June 2nd in Columbia. And I'm assuming since this has become such a big event that um, that perhaps planning for 2024 is it, maybe it's not officially underway yet, but I'm guessing there's some uh, preliminary actions uh, to already plan for next year's torch run. Am I right there? Sure. So as soon as this run is over, um, they will start securing dates for next year. Um, we do may have it coincide with our state summer games. So once the dates for state summer games are set for 2024, then we um, set the dates for the run and the the lake coordinators, we call them lake coordinators, so the route coordinators, they all um, start picking their dates and um, securing any permits and stuff that have to be done throughout the city for the run. You've been listening to um, Crystal Schuster. She's the Senior Director of Community Development for Special Olympics of Missouri. And we're talking about one of the biggest events leading up to the Special Olympics, and that is the Law Enforcement Torch Run. You're listening to Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. If a baby is giggling in the back seat, they're probably happy. If a baby is crying in the back seat, they're probably hungry. But if a baby is sleeping in the back seat, will you remember they're even there? When you're distracted, stressed, or not usually the one who drives them, the chances of forgetting them in the back seat are much higher. It can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get in the habit of checking the back seat when you leave. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. My therapist had told me that I needed to go to AA meetings, but I wasn't sure whether I wanted to go because I didn't want to be an alcoholic. That was not what I wanted to grow up and be. I didn't want to go to AA, but I did, and it wasn't what I expected by any means. It was friendly. I could feel it. I mean, I could feel the happiness. It's really great. Visit AA.org for more information and download the Meeting Guide app to find a meeting near you. Every day we take steps to keep the people we love safe, but some health risks are easy to miss. Ticks hiding in the yard can spread germs, like the ones that cause Lyme disease. Mice searching for food can spread bacteria that makes us sick. Mosquitoes lay eggs in standing water and can spread West Nile virus and more. Cockroaches are drawn to water in the home, leaving behind allergens that can trigger asthma attacks. Common pests can threaten our health. Learn how to protect your family at pestworld.org. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training, along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on United States Deputy Sheriff's Association, please visit usdeputy.org. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. 
The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. We return to Show Me Today. Imagine your breakfast, lunch, dinner, even dessert stuffed into a roll. That is St. Louis Kalachi. Cameron Connor is here with the owner, Russell Clark, to talk about their success and new ideas. I've got a business partner, Bart Mantia, and we have, uh, we used to, uh, we started off back working together back in 1994 in a, in a steakhouse called Morton Steakhouse uh, in Clayton. Uh, it's, a, it's a real upscale steakhouse. Um, while we were there, we were there for 10 years. Uh, and when we were there, we met a gentleman who used to own, uh, the Cecil Whitaker's pizza franchise. Uh, he talked us into starting one of those. And back in 2001, we left Morton's, uh, and then we opened up our first, uh, pizza franchise, local St. Louis pizza franchise. In the 15 years that we had the, we had three Cecil Whitaker's pizza places. We had a wine bar. We had a catering company. Uh, where we smoked uh, barbecue and whole hogs. We did all kinds of good stuff. Uh, but we kind of accidentally fell into the kolache business. I had some friends that moved down to Texas, and uh, they had called and said, hey, you know, you guys know what, what kolaches are? They're all over down here. They're almost like Emo's Pizza in, in, in St. Louis. And I was like, no, I never heard of them. Uh, so I put a little investigation time in it and uh, found out what they were. Uh, found out there really wasn't any real real competition in town, you know, and at that time, uh, was going into, uh, that was in the fall of 2014, uh, in the today show had on the top 13 food trends with bone appetite magazine, uh, for 2015 and Kalachis was one of them. So I thought, you know, the light bulb went off in my head and I'm like, man, if somebody could, could do these in a really creative way, uh, they would really have the market all to themselves. So it was almost, almost like a, uh, a sign from above that, you know, we, we, we should be in the kolache business. So in, uh, in 2015, uh, October of 2015, we opened up our first, uh, kolache bakery in Creed Core. Soon after that went so well, seven months later, we opened number two and decided to sell the pizza place and, uh, and go into kolaches full time. Okay. Fantastic. And before we get too far into the industry of it itself, I, I think it's really, really important to discuss what exactly a kolache is, because I think there's a lot of people around Missouri that haven't had the amazing privilege of trying one yet. So <laughs> can you describe to sure, me what one sure. is? You know, a, 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 a traditional kolache, uh, or as they call them, Klovanovskis over in Czechoslovakia uh, or the Czech Republic, uh, that's where they came from originally. And they were basically a almost a dessert pastry with... Uh, um, you know, poppy seed on top, cottage cheese, prune, uh, you know, not stuff that was real marketable, uh, as far as, uh, as, as far as American deliciousness goes. But, uh, uh, in the early 1900s, they found their way down to Texas and, uh, in Texas, they are, like I said, they are all over on every corner down there. Uh, and the truck drivers used to like to have them. Uh, because they, Houston is nothing but long highways, long straight highways. And the truck drivers found that they could eat these things, hold them in their hand, and not make a mess. So uh, 
down there is where they really took off and started getting Americanized. Uh, but basically they are, um, about the size of a dinner roll, slightly sweet, almost like a, like a Hawaiian roll and all the stuff is stuffed inside. So, you know, you've got, uh, you know, sausage, egg and cheese, bacon, egg and cheese, uh, sausage and gravy. You know, you could be driving down the highway eating, eating sausage and gravy, you know, and not, not have any mess, no forks, no spoons, nothing. It's all contained in this little, uh, little package of sweet goodness. You're listening to Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Cameron Connor. We're here with the co-owner of St. Louis Kalachi, Russell Clark. A kalachi is, imagine your favorite dinner roll, however it's stuffed with practically any sort of other food you can imagine. It's an innovative business that's booming basically anywhere you look, and it dominates the St. Louis area. I, I've been to one of your locations. It was a couple of years ago, so I, I forget exactly which one it was, so forgive me on that. But all I remember was never forgetting it <laughs> because of yeah. your point. They, they yeah. are such an innovative little food. And really to expand on what you were saying, it seems from at least what your business model is, it's not just breakfast either. You can either make this thing into a pastry. It can be filled with all those breakfast options, like you said, or you can even fill it with more, I guess, like dinner options too, if you really wanted to, right? Like the possibilities Correct. are, they're endless. <laughs> Correct. We do, we, we do, we do 35 different varieties every morning, all made by hand. And, and like I said, we've got about 10 breakfast you know, breakfast, uh, you know, breakfast little sandwiches. Uh, and then we have the whole sweet line of apple pie, blueberry, lemon zest, raspberry, gooey butter cakes, s'mores, brownie. But then there's a whole lunch side of it. So you've got, you know, a meatball with Covell cheese, you know, with marinara sauce, and we roll it in Parmesan on the outside. So you've got a meatball sub, uh, you know, that you can eat while you're driving. Uh, you know, Philly cheesesteak, uh, ham and cheese. We do a pizza with sausage, bacon, um, pepperoni. Uh, we have spinach and artichoke for a vegetarian. Um, you know, and, and then we do a great bunch of collaborations with local restaurants. So we do, uh, we joined up with Pappy's Smokehouse, which is, you know, voted best ribs in the entire United States. Their brisket, their pulled pork. Um, you know, we use Joya's hot salami with the jardinera, the pepper jack cheese. Uh, so, you know, the, the, it's almost endless the amount of things that you can put into one of these. Um, anything that you can put on a sandwich or a pizza, uh, we can really stuff inside. They're awesome. <laughs> they definitely are, and the possibilities are endless. It's kind of like pizza or something. There's so many different combinations and ways that you can yep. throw at it. It's never something the same, and you can have so many things that, yeah, maybe on the outside it's similar, but yet at the same yep. time they're completely different once you devour them. So that's what's so cool about it. I guess for... Maybe for Missourians across the state that haven't been to St. Louis in a little bit, or maybe they're curious, what locations do you have in St. Louis? Oh, man, we are we are all over. So if you're coming up to Illinois, we're in Edwardsville, uh, which is a little suburb about 20 miles right, right outside of uh, right outside of St. Louis. Uh, so that is close to, you know, you, right by SIUE. We're across from SIUE, Edwardsville, which is a big college right there. Um, we have one down by the St. Louis Zoo. Uh, which we have the number number one zoo in the country. Uh, so if you're coming over to the zoo, we have one right off the exit there, about five minutes down the road. Um, you know, we've got uh, Creek Core, Baldwin, out in St. We've got two out in St. Charles. We have some in South County. So uh, we're just getting ready to open our ninth location here uh, next week. Um, and then we're down in Birmingham, Alabama as well, and, and, and growing. So Hopefully soon we'll be in Kansas City and Springfield and Cape Girardeau and Indianapolis and Chicago. Um, 
So hopefully, hopefully along the Midwest here, uh, we'll be growing here in the next in the next year. Correct me if I'm wrong. You said that the light bulb went off in your head in 2014 to get this started, and since then you have nine locations. I think you said and counting and trying to expand to as many as you possibly can. Right? Correct. And it's such a simple business. You know, we're we're open from 6 a.m. to 2. You know, I, I have I have young kids, and you know, we we had our our third child uh, two weeks before we or two weeks after we opened our, our store. So. This business is much easier than dealing in the pizza business with so much competition, you know, and, and you know, in a pizza business, you're up till midnight uh, dealing with dealing with delivery drivers and things like that. So it was such a nice business to be in 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. We do a ton of catering, um, you know, because nobody nobody does what we do, especially especially for breakfast. I mean, we just have catering orders. What is your go-to kolache that if you are eating one, that's just like your favorite that you've made a million times or whatever, and that's your go-to? And are there any other new experimental ones that you have in the work? Uh, my favorite go-to is a sloppy joe. It, it is my aunt's sixty-year-old uh, sloppy joe recipe, and and I and, and I finally had to break down and share it with uh, the guy who owns Pappy's because they just love it down there so much. You know, we're, we're always experimenting. You know, we have a we have a really cool crab rangoon one we do through Lent, uh, but we're working on a a a, a, a lemon cinnamon roll, uh, a lemon cream cheese cinnamon roll with um, lemon zest over the top of it. Uh, you know, we're always working on different innovations. We have one we're working on. It's an egg roll. Uh, we have one that's kind of a Southwest uh, burrito that we're doing with with uh, uh, green chilies and uh, ground beef. Uh, cheddar cheese and some queso so you know it, it, it's endless and, and and the thing is my, my managers have to stop me sometimes because i will come in with you know three or four different that we that i want to do and they're like you know, we've already got 35 <laughs> on the shelf <laughs> you gotta put the brakes on it but i but i get excited and uh you know about the different options that we have all right. Well, always innovating and always expanding once again this has been the co-owner of st louis kalashi russell clark and we have been discussing basically this innovative restaurant business that is basically dominant in the St. Louis area and also expanding places, hopefully all over the United States before too long. Once again, Russell, thank you so much for your time here on Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. And if you missed anything, you tuned in late or you want to listen to more Mixer to Shirts, Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri, wherever you get your podcasts.